<laughs> Coming to you from the Rocky Mountain Home Hunter Studios, this is Haunting You, a podcast by home hunters to help you create the home haunt of your dreams. I'm John Shelf. I'm Keone Hutton. And I'm Leslie Reed. A couple weeks ago, Leslie and I traveled to the rainy city of Portland, Oregon to attend the West Coast Haunters Convention. We attended classes, learned some new techniques, and saw some awesome new products. But best of all, we got to meet with some amazing professionals uh, and home-based haunters, some of which who've been haunting uh, for over 20 years and basically just doing this the way we want to do this. Over the course of this episode, we want to share with you what we saw and heard as first-time convention goers and our overall impression and takeaways from the weekend. We did some on-the-spot interviews with vendors and haunters, as well as some of the presenters, and we will share you share those with you as well. So let's get started. As a little background, the West Coast Haunters Convention was started in 2009 by Mr. Ed Roberts of the Nightmare Factory, a nonprofit haunted house held at the Oregon School for the Deaf as one of their primary fundraisers. Mr. Roberts worked at the school as a counselor, wanted to give his students the opportunity to attend trade shows to learn the industry, but the cost made it prohibitive. Instead, he funded his own convention that his students could all participate in. Beyond just the classes, the convention has several events that set it apart from other industry conventions across the country, including taking over the entire 13th floor of the Doubletree Hotel, where attendees decorate their rooms for prizes. Um, additionally, they host a horror movie night, a costume ball, and a tour of a local haunted house haunted house, all providing exceptional network opportunities for all the attendees. But I will say that while for our first time attending, we did not actually get to participate in any of those additional events, <laughs> um, mainly because cost, time, and we really wanted to, to take our focus on, on the convention floor, on the trade show floor, rather than everything else. But I think if, if we do, do attend this again, which I hope we will, definitely would like to do the costume ball and maybe a stay up on the 13th floor just to enjoy all the other decorations and haunts and and, and really get a little bit more involved in, in the process and in the event i, I um, would have a lot of fun decorating a hotel room for halloween yes especially you know not at halloween i think one of the nice things is is you know the, the convention was three days but the events lasted much beyond those three days and that was very much part of, of their goal was it's not just come for the convention, it's come for the convention, but then stay for the people and, and, and stay for the atmosphere. And I would say that they did a really, really good job of promoting not just the convention, but the atmosphere and the people really made a big difference with that. For more information on the West Coast Haunters Convention, you can check out their website at hauntersconvention.com. Okay, what made you want to attend this convention and convince us to get on a plane and join you? Well, honestly, geography was a major factor. I would love to attend like Transworld or uh, the Midwest Haunters Convention, some of the largest industry trade shows in the country. Um, but since I'm a home haunter and my day job is not particularly conducive to a lot of travel, having a convention just a two-hour drive away made it really convenient. Uh, I first heard about it but while I was surfing Facebook and scrolling through recent posts in the Haunters Hangout group. Uh, one member posted a schedule of all the conventions for the year, so I started scrolling through that list uh, looking for one that would be close. I figured, well, you know, L.A. or San Francisco would probably be my best shot at uh, getting the opportunity to attend a convention. So you can imagine my shock when I discovered the West Coast Haunters Convention practically in my backyard. Once I saw there was one just two hours away, I had to get, I had to try to get you and Les to come out with me. We could keep costs low by staying at my house in Astoria and then driving in each day. 
of course, that made it a fairly exhausting weekend, um, but I think it was well worth it. Agreed. Yeah, Les, what made you want to attend? Um, honestly, partially just a chance to see you and the family, because I haven't seen you guys in a couple of years. Um, but, we appreciate that. Um, but also, I'm, 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 you know, I, I do the costumes, I do the makeup design, um, I help with kind of the general design, but all of my experience for the most part is... It's amateur. It's what I've managed to piece together from YouTube videos and working on theater sets 10 years ago when I was in high school. It would, and it's, and also all my experience with that is, is not horror makeup. <laughs> and while you can do a lot with not horror makeup, actually getting <laughs> some very, very specific experience and exposure to the horror genre, um, for what I do and for what I do for the podcast and for what I do for our haunts, it's, it'd be stupid not to go and and not to do that. Also, it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, I've always loved Halloween. This is not something that I'm doing just because it's something to do. I've always loved Halloween. I've always loved everything about it. Um, While I don't necessarily go in for slasher and and hardcore horror, it's still fun. And I still like to be around, around it. Um, So that was kind of my, my big things to, to go do this is, okay, we're doing this, we're, we're, we're wanting to do this, where can we actually take this? And is this something of a, a pipe dream, or is this something that's actually, we really have a chance to, to do something with it? And that's that's why I chose to go. And again, totally worth it. Absolutely every single bit of the time was well spent and enjoyed. Um, was an exhausting weekend, we'll certainly agree with you there, but definitely worth it. What classes did you guys attend? There were 59 classes offered over the three-day weekend, uh, typically four or five at a time, lasting about an hour with an hour between classes. Honestly, I found that hour between classes really helpful because not only did it give us time to uh, go enjoy the trade show floor, but uh, several of the classes ended up uh, getting into really good discussion between the attendees and the presenter um, and often ran over the hour mark. So having a little bit of flex time where we could, if we're having a good discussion, we could keep it going. Uh, having that flex time to do so uh, was awesome. I think Les and I both ended up focusing on classes that played to our roles in our haunts, um, but also branching out a bit to help us create better haunts in the future. So I attended several discussing design and prop building. The very first, well, I guess it was the second class that I attended uh, was given by Mr. Brian Boyle from Frightville Haunted House in Oak Harbor, Washington. Uh, And he was generous enough to speak with us following the class. Uh, my name is Brian Boyle. My haunt is Frightville Haunted House, and we're in Oak Harbor, Washington. Johanna Boyle, married to the Mr. Giggles. I'm Raven. I help with props, and, and I'm one of the actors, too, and helping with makeup. Fantastic. How long have you been there? Uh, the haunt's been there 18 years. I've been in charge of it for 12. And you mentioned it's a charity haunt. Can you tell us a little about, about what you support? Well, the actual building we're in is the Boys and Girls Club of Oak Harbor. We have the basement. It's a 100-year-old barn in the middle of town. And it was actually the site of the first morgue in town also. So we have that as a bonus. But they let us stay year-round. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even collect money from it. I have the the ladies that run the Boys and Girls Club. They collect the money for people going in. So we make zero. And just 100% just goes to the Boys and Girls yeah. Club. And we're averaging twenty dollars to $25,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're open four or five nights. That's so. fantastic. We have about 30, 40 volunteers a night. Sure. That, and there's a core of about 10 of us to build the haunted house. But we're building year-round. 
Off the top of your head, what advice would you have for people who are trying to either get into the industry or just try to build an awesome haunt in their house? Be patient. Remember, you're not going to scare everyone. Don't get discouraged if you're not going to scare that you're not scaring everyone. And if you have a chance, work with another local haunt just to kind of get an idea before you try to open something on your own. Because we had a couple that were near us that tried to open, and they were less than a, they made it one year. And then they had to completely shut down because mm -hmm. they didn't. They tried to pay their actors. They tried to do all this other. And you just got to know your audience and where you are. Yeah. And what you can get afford to do and what you can get away with. Big one for us is the fire marshal. We, I always say it's a vicious circle. You know, the more fun you have, the more scared you're going to make the other people, which in turn is going to the more fun you have. And so, if you start with that fun, it's like a vicious circle that just keeps going. So as long as you keep your actors upbeat or your volunteers upbeat and in there with a lot of energy, mm -hmm. you're going to have a good house. You don't have to spend millions of dollars. You can have, like, we spend less than $1,000 every year, yeah. and we put on a 10,000-square-foot haunt. So, What's your favorite part about doing this? Uh, November 1st. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love. It's a lot of work, and I. You can ask them. I get grumpy as hell, <laughs> you know, building this thing. But as soon as I get in costume, I'm in the house, and everything's running, and we get a line because you're always that. Are we gonna have people? Did we get enough advertising out? Did we get this? And then once you see that line start, and then you start hearing the people come through, and that's what makes it worth it. Mm -hmm. You know. You know, the, the mom who drops the eight-year-old and says, I can have another, and she's run away from a clown. <laughs> you know, those are the things that you just have, you sit after the haunt, and you just have these stories, and everyone just laughing. And that's the other part, it's the family that comes with it. I mean, we have, there's ten of us that are the core people, and we get together almost every weekend, whether it's Cards Against Humanity, or talking about the haunt, or you get with people that you really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Any advice for operating on a shoestring budget? Craigslist, um, free cycle. Um, like I said um, in here, I go to the paint contractors and ask if they have any leftover paint. And um, if you go to Home Depot or any other place that mistints paint, they will tint it black almost or super dark gray for free. And you can get the paint cheap there. Um, I get broken plywood pieces or damaged plywood pieces from some of the lumber yards for free. Um, and I just, you know, if I want something, I just put it out on Facebook. We have buy-sell trade boards. Mm -hmm. um, we need, we wanted to do a forest scene. We can't have real forest inside for the fire marshal. So I asked for fake Christmas trees, broken fake Christmas trees. After one weekend, I had like 60 of them sitting outside waiting <laughs> for me. So, I mean, people will give you stuff. If you are known and you get your word out there that you do a haunt and you want stuff, you, I have random stuff. I got church pews for free. 12-foot-long church mm -hmm. pews. And I had seven of them someone just gave to me for free because they were going to throw them in the dump. And so they gave them to me for free. Awesome. So it's just a... You have to be able to be out there and present your haunt in a way. What's your mission? What are you doing with this haunt? Are you there just to scare and have fun? You're not going to get as much support, but mm -hmm. if you're there for a cause and you can articulate what that causes, a lot of people will help a lot.
you were talking during the presentation a little bit about the witching hour. Would you mind sharing a little um, bit about that? Because I thought that was great. Yeah, witching hour. Um, we were trying to think of ways to spice up the haunt one year, you know, without doing a lot of stuff. And we said, well, why don't we just turn off all the lights? And so we did it. And then we had so many people that wanted just that version of the haunted house that we did it for the next few years after that. We would actually charge more money to go through with all the lights off. And people would come through with the lights on and they'd come through the lights off and ask us how we changed the entire haunt around in the 15 minutes we were closed. And we didn't do anything. We give little glow sticks to our actors. So we have 40 actors hidden in the haunted house and they get the one little tea light candle per group to go through. So they can't see more than like a foot and a foot and a half around them. They're all just kind of doing the hand feel in front of them. And it works so well. And if I would have known that's all I have to do is, you know, build a maze and paint it black, I would have saved myself a lot of heartache. Right. When do you guys start planning your haunts? Because you said that you change it up every year. We're already building. We've already built for a couple weekends. And for next year's haunt, we'll already be discussing it November 1st. Mm -hmm. If not, before we close. Yeah, we had our, our theme for this year decided before we ended last year's. And so, like, so it's a never-ending process. No, and we change our theme up every year. Um, just the the basic shape of the haunted house might not change, sure. but the way you enter a room and exit a room, you just move a door, and it changes the entire haunt. Mm -hmm. So we do that. We're we're very fortunate to have it a hard place set up year-round, so we can, and you know. Another thing with the operating a haunt is your fire marshal stuff are a big deal. I work the deal out. I let them use my haunt for egress training. So they come in and they turn off all the lights and fill the place up with smoke and then have to get their guys out. And by doing that, I get a little more leniency from the fire marshal. So you kind of... You, you got to learn how to make wheel and deal and get those things, especially if you're on a shoestring budget. You mm -hmm. got to really wheel and deal and get things trade. What can you get? What, what do I have to? And I even tell them oh, we're taking these walls out, and I let them go in there with their chainsaws and cut the holes in, and you know, and they mm -hmm. do the demo for us. That's awesome. So, what are some of the favorite themes that you've done? Uh, the, the house for sale was really good. Freak show. Freak, Freak show. show. <laughs> Yeah, we did freak show. We've done asylums. We, but I, I like the house for sale. Just we had each room as a different house, and the people that brought them in were real estate agents wearing the gold Century Twenty One jackets, and you know, and they were selling it up like they were selling this house. But I can't go in. I can't go in. <laughs> they would drop them off at the front door, and you know, they had to ring the doorbell, and then the vibrating floor went off underneath them, and then. You know, each room was a different room in the house. You know, it was like a mansion. We had an outside part of it and, you know, all kinds of stuff. The garage and awesome. Brian shared his design for vibrating floor and we asked his permission and he agreed to let us share that design with our listeners. So I'm going to be putting together a how-to video for that build uh, if I can find all the supplies for it. And that will definitely be on our Facebook page when, uh, when it comes up. Les, what about you? So, like I said, most of what I attended were makeup classes. 
and then uh, some classes just kind of on design elements to add to haunts. So primarily, and what I kind of cut the most out of was I did three classes with one of the special guests of the convention, um, a gentleman named Rallis Khan, who's a professional makeup artist, been working in Hollywood. Um, he's done movies in China, India. He does works on haunts, haunted houses as well. Um, he's got his own YouTube channel for design. It's, it's, it's a horror makeup channel. Um, and it's called the Mad Monster, Mad Monster Lab. And it is A, hilarious, and B, very, very informative. So I actually did three classes with Rallis Khan on how to do makeup, start-to-finish designs, how to do gelatin makeup, which <laughs> basically I got turned into a melting-faced monster for that. Um, as the I volunteered to be the demo as he was um, demoing how to make 3D makeup with gelatin. Um, and then how to make and use fake blood. And I would say of all the classes I took, those three were A, the most relevant to what I bring, but B, the most fun. I don't think I've had so much fun in, in a class mm. for quite some time. So, and Raleskon also was, was willing to grant me an interview um, as well for, for his experiences and, and suggestions that he makes in the classes, but that we can give to all of our listeners. <laughs> so, um, I'm here with Rallis Khan. What can you tell me about yourself and what you do and why you do what you do? All right, well, I got into gay porn mostly for the money. <laughs> you know, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> no, actually, I'm a uh, makeup artist uh, for the local 706 union, IOTC union in California, but also it's all over the world. I travel everywhere. I travel to the Far East to do movies, television shows, music videos. I'm all over the U.S. I also like to do makeups for haunts and for myself. I have a line of masks that I make. I'm usually known for my uh, horrific makeups, although I do beauty makeup as well. More people hire me are known for more horrific stuff. I work on TV shows like I've worked on Westworld, Criminal Minds, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, uh, The Orville, just all kinds of stuff. Also, I work on films like uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, The Collector, Scott's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Uh, I, I forget stuff after a while, but I've worked on a whole bunch of stuff. I love working in movies and in the entertainment industry, but I also, as you can see, I teach every once in a while. I like to do these seminars. I'm not a guy that usually teaches at a makeup school because that's too long of a commitment for me and I've got a short attention span. So I can do a one-day thing. I'm <laughs> good for that. So I've done seminars at uh, IMATS, which is the International Makeup Arts Trade Show. I've done seminars at Monster Palooza. I do seminars at different haunt conventions uh, like Hong Kong or Death Fest or Haunt X or here we are at the West Coast Owners Convention. Uh, great. So I've sat through your classes and I've picked up a number of, of tips and tricks for putting on a haunt and doing haunt makeup, um, but for everyone who hasn't had the opportunity to come to one of these events that you do mm -hmm. and sit through one of your fantastic classes, what would you say is your top suggestions for doing makeup, costumes, blood for a haunt? Oh, well, one thing is practice before you start. <laughs> on the day of Halloween or the day your haunt opens <laughs> is not the day to train your crew or to practice your makeup. So it's something you want to do ahead of time. That way you know the variables. So planning is key. 
You want to plan out what you want to do, decide that. Once you know that, acquire your materials, then you want to practice with them before you get started. That's probably the most important thing. And also, you know, you have to be fiscally minded. So you want to look into options where you can save. That's why I was doing a class on blood, because buying pre-made fake blood can be very expensive, especially if you're going through quite a bit of it. So you can learn techniques to make your own fake blood relatively inexpensively, and there's all kinds of recipes online. Go ahead and just pick up some materials, play with it, and see what works for you. Um, I think that's that's a good start. <laughs> okay. Great. I think the, one of the big things that I got from, especially your first class, was the three colors. Ah, yeah. Because when I did, uh, I've done a zombie apocalypse haunt, and we did Arkham Asylum. Yes. And after that class of you know use three colors, I've looked back and I'm like, okay, I might have gone a little bit overboard. Yes. But even with what I was working with, I stayed relatively within that. So can you talk a little bit about the, the three colors and not needing to be overly complicated with your palette? Yeah, well, that's the rule of three. And the rule of three is only using three colors. Now, most makeup artists will say, oh, I can't do that. Why would I do that? You're limiting me. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I approached it with. Yeah, was, that yeah. I have all these colors and palettes, and I have all my makeup that I'm working with, and you know, making bruises with 16 different shades of, of everything. Right. Well, that only happens after, in fact, that only happens after the bruise has been there for a long time. But to get back to the rule of three, if you have a pale actor and you hollow out the eyes and the temples and the cheeks and under the jaw with just one color, they're already creepy looking. And if they're a good actor, they can make that work. Now, using stark shapes and bold colors like black, white, you can do a plethora. You can do skulls, you can do ghouls, you can do vampires, all kinds of things with just black and white because it's not just the two colors. You have variations. You have tones and shades. So you have all kinds of shades of gray and different values with those two colors. Then you can even add a third color. I always like to add a splash of red or you can add purple or green or something like that to really make something pop. Now, by using three colors, it will actually make your artist a little more creative because it's a little more challenging to say, I only have flesh, brown, and purple. I can do a fantastic witch with flesh, brown, and purple. I can do a great sea creature with green, yellow, and black. Just those three colors is great, and what that does is each color, when you think about it, it takes five to ten minutes to apply each color. The more colors you have, the more time in the makeup chair. By limiting it to three, you're looking at you know no more than a half hour, and usually closer to 15 minutes or less in the makeup chair. Also, when you're buying materials, you know this character is using orange, black, and brown. And that's all they're going to use. So you know you only have to buy orange, black, and brown. And that's what that character is going to use. And you're going to be able to estimate how much material you're going to need to make it through your season. So it limits the expense you put out in materials. It limits the time spent in the chair. And it also makes for bolder shapes in your makeup. Now, I say bolder shapes because people can't stop and stare at a makeup inside of a haunted attraction. They're being scared if your actor is doing their job. So if your actor is doing its job, you want them to have a bold, stark image so that it creates an impact in a fraction of a second. I did mention that skulls are very horrific because they symbolize death. And most people are used to seeing skulls with death and associated with that, so they're scared of them. Haunters love them because they're scary. <laughs> so it's a good thing. So basing your makeup on that is great. And you can do that with just black and white. And if you wanted to add other colors to it, you could, and that would give it some emphasis. But those things can be scary and effective. 
Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. I sure. um, appreciate your time and no. I appreciate the classes and the uh, prosthetic that I get to go play with. <laughs> so in lieu of some kind of snappy transition, why don't we talk about the trade show floor? We're trying to get a convention to from the classes to trade show floor. <laughs> snappy transition, go. Aw, I thought that was my snappy transition. So to talk more about Velociraptors, do you want to tell us about the trade show floor? How's that? Is that better? Actually, that is a pretty good uh, segue into Magic Wheelchair. <laughs> it is. Yes, well, see, There you go. I would love to take credit for that, but that was a complete accident. <laughs> <laughs> there was no planning in that at all. Do you really want to go with that? I've, I'm going to go with that. So while on the trade show floor, um, beyond having a group or a bunch of different vendors, there was also one um, organization that was there that we really do want to highlight, and it is called Magic Wheelchair. And essentially what it is, is it's a nonprofit, and their mission is to bring communities together to create unforgettable moments for children around the world by transforming their wheelchairs into magic. Um, essentially how it works is volunteers organize in their community, creating a local build team. Uh, build teams locate a child through local partnerships. The child selects the theme and character that they would like, and local teams fundraise in their communities. And with an online fundraising platform called Kind uh, Kindful, and then a team of artists, carpenters, engineers, and other volunteers design a costume custom-made especially for the child's wheelchair. One of the things that actually brought us up to them was they had an example of one of their builds, which was Indominus Rex, that the founder of um, the, uh, of Magic Wheelchair had made for his son. Um, Can I cut in real quick? Yes. Uh, what's an Indominus Rex? <laughs> Indominus Rex, for those of you who have not watched Jurassic World, Jeez. is the <laughs> redesigned... Oh, judging, John. Were we judging? Why are we judging? That's not I'm judging. 100% judging. Okay. People um, have not seen Jurassic World. Yes, well, there's reasons to not see Jurassic World, namely the fact that she runs around in heels and screams a lot. That aside, uh, the Indominus Rex is pretty awesome. And the Indominus Rex is essentially their genetically modified T-Rex to make it even scarier and more dangerous. And, of course, because what else would happen in a Jurassic Park mo movie? It escapes. Because Jurassic Park does not have good decision-making <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 they do not. So that is what an Indominus Rex is, giant T-Rex. So we spoke a bit with Ryan Weimer, the founder of Magic Wheelchair. My name is Ryan Weimer. I'm the founder of a nonprofit called Magic Wheelchair, and we build epic costumes for kids in wheelchairs. So um, this is going into, our, I think, our fourth build season. We have volunteers all over the country that build for local kiddos, so local Local volunteers, local kiddos, um, all the all the costume ideas come from the kids, and uh, really give the volunteer build lead uh, the idea, and then you know we sketch something out, show the kid, and kiddos are part of that design process. But then it, they don't see any of the build until the reveal, so it's this big epic reveal, you know. They, yeah. And it's it's fantastic because they. You know, I think they have this idea of, of what can be done, you know, living in this reality, right, where special effects blurs that reality. <laughs> um, then they see it, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's just 
blows your mind. Yeah. yeah, it's it's awesome, and what it does for these kids. I mean, it, it, Magic Wheelchair started with me building for my son, and when he was three years old, he wanted to be a pirate. He had his his wheelchair, and I thought, man, you know, if we just dress him up as a pirate, he's a pirate sitting on a wheelchair. Let's see, build a boat around him. And really, it was just dressing him up for only. But what we saw is, is people look at him different. They treated him different. They saw him before they saw his disability. Mm -hmm. And it created this connection that otherwise wouldn't be there. You know, there's there's just this awkwardness around disability. And it's not malicious. It's just because it's, it's different. I mean, if that was real on your face, people would... Everybody would react very, very differently. Yeah, they might be like, can I say hi? Is that going to work? We wouldn't have people coming up going, oh, hello, what did you do? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so it, it, it created this, this this bridge, you know, where it, that awkwardness, that gap between ability and disability was, was gone. And as a dad, I mean, it, it choked me up. I'm like, this is, this is beautiful. This is amazing. And, you know, it was amazing for him. It was amazing for other people that then come up and talk to him and build awareness about, you know, childhood diseases and that... You know, learn more about them, you know, and, and the next time they see a kiddo in a wheelchair, it'll be that much easier to approach. So it's sorry, just spit on you there. That's good for the, for the audio too, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, but it was beautiful, and it was. I thought about the many, many other families like mine, and wanted to start something because not everybody's crazy enough to spend two to four hundred hours in their garage all night long building something. You know? Not everybody has the time or ability, I mean, certainly you can learn the ability, but um, the time, and, and so being able to create, you know, a non-profit that does that, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. We see Indominus Rex here and pictures of a couple Yeah, of we got uh, Jurassic Park, there's a raptor pulling, uh, looks like a cheap trailer, and Supergirl and her, uh, the uh, Fortress of Solitude. Toothless. Um, what are some of the favorite costumes you put together? Some of the ones I put together are Magic Wheelchair. As Either or. Oh man, I I love Toothless. Uh, he's he's actually on a museum tour. I don't know where he's at. He's just got picked up by one museum and he's just been handed around to museums and museums. Hopefully he comes back home someday. But um, gosh, there's been so many amazing costumes. Our first year did this. Uh, we have a team up in Seattle do a Ninja Turtle band, and there's a piece of armor in the back, there's a Nerf gun on top, and a button for him to fire off, and sound effects, and it's fantastic. Um, the Jurassic Park one is, is amazing. We've done some really cool Moana builds, some TIE Fighters. Um, a lot of Moanas. I think we did three Moanas last year. Um, yeah, so it's like... Whatever's popular at the time, that's really nice. We get a, a lot of less for Yeah. About how many costumes do you guys do per build season? So, our first year we did eight. Our second year we did 24. Last year we did 50. This year, you know, I'd love to hit 100, but we're, we're, we're at a point to where it's, it's this big growth pain point, right? So, do we push the 100 or do we... we dial it back down a little bit, get some infrastructure in place, so then we can really, really grow without stretching well, too much. And, I mean, it's good to stretch. So 100 is the goal. We'll, we'll push toward that. And if it starts to get uncomfortable, we'll, we'll dial it back in. But um, 
yeah, I mean, we'd love to grow twice as big every year. You know, it's, we have lots of volunteers that want to get involved in, in doing it. And there's just, there's a certain magic about doing this. And as, as our teams go out into the community, because we actually we have our volunteer teams do some fundraising too, which, which makes sense. They know people in their community that we don't know. They have their own circle of friends. And, you know, some of them are fabricators, welders, whatever. They, they have other companies they work with that will donate materials. And there's, you know, time and time again, our volunteers talk about, they'll tell somebody about what they're doing. And before they even get to it, ask, like, dude, that's the coolest thing ever. How can I, I want to help. What, what can I do? And, and it's 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 amazing, and that you know that's why we've been able to grow so much so so quickly. But yeah, we're starting to get to that point where, all right, the infrastructure you know that we've had to this point is it's going to be insufficient to handle the load uh, moving forward. And, you know, I mean, I, I work as a nurse. I got a family and magic realtor. I only have so much meal time pipeline. That's right. Um, we, yeah, we we want to we want to keep going. I mean, the the cold reality is that you know some of these kids won't be around, you know, and we want to build for them while they're here. We want to create memories for the family you know, and memories for these kiddos while they're here. And um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a big drive and passion for me and almost blinders, you know. And, and the board has to kind of reel me in sometimes because I'm like. No, we're doing it. We got to do it, and you know, because um, I, I want to build for these kids. I want to build for them right here, and I, I want those families to have good memories. You know, epic memories that all stick around longer. Uh, yeah, and seeing your kid roll around on a dinosaur into a comic con or down the street. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's a beautiful experience for the dads. Yeah, it's an amazing experience for them. Um, it's great for volunteers. You know, anytime you're doing something outside of yourself, and that's to me, that's where a real joy is. Yeah. If our listeners want to learn more about what you do and how you do it, uh, how can they reach you? Um, Magicwheelchair.org. We're on Facebook and Twitter and all the other. I'm terrible, like social media guy. I only do it because of Magic Wheelchair. Yeah. Barely Facebook, but oh uh, yeah, we're on Facebook, MagicWheelchair.org, um, and we're we're working on uh, getting some YouTube videos up. Perfect. So people can watch kind of a, a full process of meeting a team and all the way through. It's awesome. We do have a big project this summer, San Diego Comic-Con. I don't know if you heard about it. Just once or twice. Yeah. Oh, just a small little get-together in San Diego. Um, so last year we did, we built the Justice League. We, we had five kids. We put the Justice League together. Uh, Supergirl right there. And, and we did it. You know, we reached out to San Diego Comic-Con, but they're huge. Magic Wheelchair is just a little gnat at that. And um, but this year we we're going to be working with Lucasfilm um, unofficially, but uh, we'll we'll be doing the reveal with Lucasfilm at the booth. So we're doing Star Wars themed. We got we got six builds going on. Seven. Oh, we're doing seven. That's right. So six Star Wars themed builds um, for kids in the California area, and then we're reaching out nationally too. Um, and we are going to do a Kickstarter. 
probably within the next uh, next few weeks. People can follow us on Facebook, and then uh, please support and help us bring those kids. It's a expensive project, but it you know that's that's a once in a lifetime experience for for anybody. You know? okay. so just to get a ticket to San Diego Comic Con is once in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless you got connections. So. All right. Okay, what else did you see on the trade show floor? We had a lot of fun on the trade show floor. Uh, twice a day, they had foam dart wars. I wish I had realized that ahead of time that I could bring my own like foam dart gun and participate. Um, definitely something I'll be doing next time. <laughs> yes, yes, it will. Yeah, oh, the form, it was it was foam dart chaos for 20 minutes twice a day on the trade show floor. Um, but we got to talk with so many haunters and got to see some neat new products. Uh, one of my favorite new products was the bloody bath mat. You probably saw the ads for this a year or so ago of people, you step out of the shower and your footprints are all bloody. Well, it does that because these awesome bath mats turn red anywhere where they get hit by water. We posted a video on our Facebook page during the convention showing how the mats turn red and then they took a blow dryer, blowed it dry and it disappeared. Very cool product and I am so excited to start incorporating it into my haunts. We got to talk to Andrea Vielma and Rosanna Munez, who are there representing this new product. My name's Andrea Vielma, and I am representing BloodyBathMat.com. Uh, BloodyBathMat.com is a brand new product. It's just been introduced in the last few months. This is our first convention. We're very excited to be joining the community. The product was originally conceived as a bath mat for people who loved the gore industry and wanted to see blood as kind of a prank surprise in their bathroom when people and guests came over and stepped out of the shower and now they have all this bloody footprint. What we started realizing as we launched the product is that people started buying it and we started getting all this input of all the different ways that it's used. So now we're finding currently, which is why we're here at the Haunters Convention, people are using it as props in their haunts. They're buying the shower curtains, our giant panels right here, and using them as, as bloody props in rooms. Uh, and the same thing with the various size of posters and, and mats right now that we have available. Um, anything from, you know, scary dinner time tables, you know, to, to, again, children toys and things like that. So it really does have a variety of uses. If you love the, the just blood splatter and that whole look, if you see this product, it will blow you away. No words can describe how cool this is. You have to touch it and experience it. And what's really getting me as I'm sitting here playing with it is we're taking just regular water, splattering it on the posters, and it's turning red right there on the poster. So super easy to clean up. You're not dealing with fake blood. It's all water. Uh, you don't have to worry about staining or anything else. You can dry it in between times that people are coming, uh, your groups are coming through. Use it. Every, every time you use it, you get a different reaction. So no matter how many times, it's an easily reset product is the other thing. So you don't need to worry about, you know, wash off the bloody walls so you can set up for the next group. It dries or it's kind of fading. So when it hits again and it's all fresh and clean, you still get that visceral reaction. Um, and the, the patterns of it change every time depending on what you do. It's, it's pretty awesome. Talk to me a little bit about pricing. Hi, this is Rosanna Muniz with the Bloody Bath Mats, and our pricing for the small size is $19.99. The large size bath mat is $25.99. We have the shower curtain and small bath combo for $44.98, and then we have our bloody shower curtain that is 
normally $29.99 and the wall poster that is $9.99 and that comes with two panels as well. Perfect, perfect. Well, it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun and I just hate both of you because I was not able to go. <laughs> so it does sound like it was worthwhile. It sounds like you had a lot of fun and you guys learned a, a lot of good information and met a lot of good people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like we said, it was a it was an exhausting weekend, but uh, it was just so uplifting being surrounded by people who share the same kind of passion that we do. Getting to talk to all the different home haunters, seeing the kind of issues they deal with and how they deal with it. Like we had an awesome discussion at one point about um, liability and um, the risk of having so many people coming onto your property and how other haunters deal with that. So I think. Overall, with this being our first convention um, as our, our first home haunting convention, and more importantly, kind of our, our first real convention of going to, I mean, I don't really go to conventions. It was very well run. It was very well managed. Um, the timing and how they timed out all the classes, um, again, gave us a good bit of time to spend on the convention floor or to kind of sit down and let the classes run long. It gave us time to talk to other haunters. It gave us time to kind of process all the information that we've been learning and figure out what to go do with it and, and how to how to utilize it for our next haunt. So overall, I would say not just was the convention fun and informative, but it was very well managed, very well run. Um, I was truly impressed with the professionalism um, of the, of the whole of the whole event. Yeah, unquestionably. Um, at one point, we got stuck on the highway uh, because of a, not a highway; it's a two lane <laughs> road, but they call it a highway. Um, but we got stuck <laughs> on the highway on the way home for about an hour and a half uh, because of an accident, and. Uh, we started pulling out our notebooks and playing around. Like, uh, I started looking at ways I could have redesigned Arkham to make it run more efficiently, get more scares, uh, using the concepts that we use, that we learned. So we're going to try to incorporate some of the stuff that we learned into some of our future episodes so we can uh, share that with all of you as well. Absolutely, both in terms of haunt design, but also in terms of the practical running of a haunt, whether it's amateur or professional. On that note, uh, we are also starting to put together some YouTube videos uh, that will show uh, more in-depth how-to type stuff that we can't do just with audio. So I'm working on a couple um, that go along with uh, the audio episode that we released a couple weeks ago. Uh, Les, I think you're working on a couple of makeup tutorials yep. uh, d with some of the uh, techniques you learned from RalisCon. Yep. Uh, and we are super excited to share those with you. So be watching, check out our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U. Uh, we'll be announcing every time we post something new, it will be announced there as well as our Twitter page. John, what is that? That is at haunting univer one. That's haunting U N I V E R one. And where can you find the podcast, John, if you want to hear more um, about our other episodes? So you can find us on Stitcher, Podbeam, and episodes three through five on iTunes. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Sorry. Do you want me to just ignore Well, we could. you can find it on iTunes. Well, you we can't can find it iTunes. on iTunes. You can and technically find it. And we're working on getting all the episodes up there. There's a glitch with the iTunes system and the feed. I wanted two, two questions. Well, one question for both of you, since okay. we're time. Okay. Biggest takeaway. 30 seconds. Biggest takeaway. 
Um, I don't even know where to go. Less. Biggest takeaway. 30 seconds. <laughs> Biggest takeaway. Um, for all the work I did on Arkham, I definitely know how to do things much, much better. And I can definitely do things a lot more simplistically. And finally, it was nice to have a bunch of the things that we've been saying and doing in our own haunting. Um, validated. Validated by um, what these people who've been in the industry for you know, 15, 20 years do as well. So I would say the validation was very, very affirming to what we're doing and what we're trying to do and the increased uh, knowledge that I don't have to make things complicated to make things good. I will definitely be able to run with that. <laughs> All right. Kay, what was yours? Yeah. So my biggest takeaway, probably um, I'm an amateur and uh, this opened my eyes to how much more I could be doing much more simply than I've been doing it. My biggest takeaway was to, request time off further in advance um yeah on that note uh next year the convention's in may so john start thinking about it i can't request it off until december i'm just saying then put a <laughs> reminder in your phone for december 1st so you can request off may of next year and you can come with us so we're actually having more fun instead of just two of us being very very focused and and, and studious that does not sound like fun that's why you're supposed to be there <laughs> Are you saying I get us off topic? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what we're saying. All right, that's fair. All right, sign us out, John. All right, I think that about does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I'm John Shelf. I'm Keone Hutton. I'm Leslie Reed. Thanks for joining us, and happy haunting. Bye, everyone. Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more information on all the clips used in this episode. Haunting University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U or on Twitter using the handle at haunting Univer one that's haunting U-N-I-V-E-R-1. Be sure to check out our new page on Podbean at www.hauntingu.podbean.com.